Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. It is take two. Return of Greg <sighs> Hughes. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Mara cannot you miss wait. me? So nice to have you here. Greg. I so missed it. I actually miss this. I I really do. I miss I miss the program. I yeah. miss the podcast. So the last couple of weeks, Greg has sold out to the man. It is true. And you've been doing now. some red meat radio. So I have. Back. I I loved I loved speaking to my 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 base, the conservatives on can. Well, can I say the you can say call them KNRS, the yeah. Rod Arquette Show. I was guest hosting. Nothing to us, Greg. It I, nothing, nothing to you. Nothing to you. I I, I heard Mara on KSL today. That's oh, true. That oh, would right. that be KSL, the yeah, KSL uh, one with the lower radio. Nielsen ratings on KNRS? I listened oh, okay. to you oh, last good. week. <laughs> I was having a rough week. About two seconds, yeah. where you deep dived on some conspiracy theory for a minute. Oh and please! You should have joined I, because I called in for a segment there. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I forgot I was on the radio. I went to church on Sunday, <laughs> and someone's like, "I heard you on the radio." I'm like, uh, "Yes, okay." I'm like, "You mean my job. podcast?" No, yeah. you did he was a great a little job. Older, so I was like, "Okay, maybe yeah, he thinks it's the radio." Potato, potato. No, yeah. you know, you were on, you did great, great story. Yeah. I listened on the to, cheat sheets. I listened on the a, Biden a cheat sheets segment. And then I turned on my music playlist and did some deep breathing. <laughs> Try and bring myself back. <laughs> Try to come back. Well, I'm yeah, glad we, we have you guys together truth again. Truth bombs aren't good for you. You don't. You can't be near them. I the, can't the, handle it's, it's, the truth. Yeah, you can't. You Before have to get we, away from Before uh, we bring up anyone's blood pressure and get to the topics <laughs> I know you guys want to fight about, we're yes. going to have some proud moments here for a minute. You you had a big day today, Greg. I Hughes. did. So my daughter, my oldest child and only daughter, Sophie, uh, she graduated from Utah Valley University today. Ooh. Very exciting. Congratulations! You know, I, I come from a long line of white trash, and we don't uh, we don't graduate from a college. That's just not what we do. So she's actually broken the mold. She's the first used to actually. I went to BYU, but I didn't graduate. I had to get out of there. I was, you know, need to get going in life. But she she's graduated. I'm so we're so excited. That's so cool. I got another son. He's at U- Utah State University. He's probably going to. The plan is he will at some point too. But. Yeah, she's the first, and I'm so excited. That's exciting. Congratulations. We are. My, and whole, my wife, I'm, we're all excited. Mara has this coming up in a couple of weeks, I'm assuming, too, a graduation. So High school graduation, yeah, May 21st. Woohoo! So yeah. a big um, month. I always think that parenting in May and November are kind of crazy because everything is happening. Every yeah. recital, game, end of the what year. What about your son? Society. Is he graduating this year? He's not. We have one more year. His okay. um, final soccer game is on Friday, which is sad for me because I like to go – Cheer him on and be a. How's a it his final mom. soccer game? But he's not a senior. Oh, uh, just of the year. So we've got oh, one. Of the year. Yeah, we've got you one more year. year. Okay. Although he is debating whether he'll play or not. I'm sure our podcast members are dying to know that. But here we are. So all these big uh, parenting things going on. I have one more year till um, we have to do the cap and gown at our house. So uh, let's get to the real issues Kay. that um, people are dying to hear Greg and Mara fight over. Yes. Pornhub. Apparently, <laughs> while I was waiting to um, come usher you into the room, you guys already started to discuss this on yes. a manner that sounds like you guys agree really on all levels. But Pornhub, <laughs> if you haven't heard, um, has locked out Utah users. There has now been a legal challenge from the Free Speech Coalition over this. And I should know that this all goes back to Senate Bill 287. Todd Weiler was a sponsor, and I've forgotten the second sponsor. 
I'll remember in a minute. Pulsifer, maybe? I don't remember. So anyhow, uh, the bill passes, and it basically puts some teeth into a law that I guess anyone who's running an adult website can be held um, liable if they have users who are under the age of 18 using them. Uh, Mara, I know that you're excited to talk about this. Greg, mm-hmm. you're not, so we'll go with yeah. you first. Uh, does this matter, or is this just sort of a neener, neener to you? Uh, you know, it's an interesting, so what makes it interesting is it's another step down the road of, I'm going to say America, but Utah deciding what's too much restrictions, what's not enough when it comes to what we view on um, social media. So one thing I think we do have in common is we've all got a lot of concerns about social media right now and the impact yeah. that it has. So as you suggest, this law is specific to adult websites, um, and what it asks for is a verified identification. Louisiana was the first state in the nation in January to have this enacted. Um, Pornhub didn't do anything to the Louisiana one, uh, uh, and and they so Utah's the first state that they responded to. A significant difference, though, between, and California, interestingly enough, also has a bill like this that we're going to see enacted soon. So the interesting thing about Louisiana, though, is that they already have a verified electronic ID system in their state. So Pornhub could just go to that verified resource. In this instance, the private company would be responsible for verifying an identification. So most commonly, that would be your driver's license. Yeah. And you'd have to upload that somehow. We don't know how they would do it because they said no. But just to talk about the power, too, of this... Pornhub is the most downloaded site in the world, with the exception of the search engines. People are going nuts about this. They're very upset. They're calling the representatives. They're saying, guys. Yeah, I mean, this is as heavily used. It's got 10 million viewers monthly. And also what's interesting about this is Utah has a history including 15 years ago, the headline in the newspaper, 15 years is pre-social media. The porn Mm -hmm. czar back then? We were number one in the nation for consumption of porn material. I think that so, we, we are Which is anymore. a concern Great. in and of itself. Oh, Most so wait a minute. Most recent data, we're not, we're like we're what, 50th. number two? That's no, right. So then we had magazines, and oh, now I see your point. Oh, well. we have computers, so and yet just... the basis of the argument is that computers have no, made our data just to... got better is all. Look, we, so you say. Here, here's a deal. Um, <laughs> it's supply and demand. We, we don't want kids to see any of this. If it's easily accessible on your tablets or your phones, and kids have tablets and phones, we got to find some firewalls. It used to be there'd be a section of town where, you know, there's, there's a street where you'd have the adult-oriented businesses or you had a place where, you, you know, the magazines were at. Deviant kids couldn't get to them or it'd be very hard to get to them. Uh, or your dad had to buy it for yeah, you. Yeah, or, or that your dad had them. I had a friend who brought his dad's stuff to the school when I was in elementary school. So, I mean, you can have different ways, but your but your supply was limited. But we, I, I don't know what... It's easy to criticize that we don't like the way that the law has been passed to try and verify that people are not children, but then what? I mean, I just don't... I can't be... I'm not comfortable with kids, uh, children but having no access to this... But you no have one to, is, but, Greg. But, but, but like, you can't criticize a, a solution if we don't have a better one in mind. Well, I mean, Pornhub actually proffered a solution in which they think that it should be, um, 
the the phone or the tablet based restriction. So you should be able to designate that your phone has a restriction on it or your tablet or your device has a restriction on it and it won't allow unless you have a special access. So they're saying, hey, listen, we agree. We think you should use technology and, and it should be restricted by device, I, not by ID. Here's something I would say to Pornhub and any other website, whether we're talking about TikTok or uh, Facebook, Instagram, that says, you know, we don't know, we don't know how to control this. That is total BS because yeah. every social media company knows how long we're online. They right. know how old we are. They know what we buy, when we, um, how long we're online. If you sleep with your phone, they know how many hours a night you asleep and you're quiet and not using your phone. They know everything about you. And if they wanted to not let anyone in, whether it's Pornhub or Instagram or Facebook, they could not let kids under the age of 18 they're in really because good they at, know everything about They're really us. good at banning uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s comments so online. If, if they know who he is. this is all true, Greg, then would, and if you believe that, why would you legislate that the onus is on the individual to show ID? If that's true, why are we not regulating So now we're talking we ideas. Look, I'm all for ideas. But we're not I, talking I'm, I'm ideas. Good with we're that. talking about This just gives you the ability bill. to sue, doesn't it? I would guess that they figure, you know, this way, there's something on the book so that if a parent wanted to, they could probably go to the Pornhub or the whatever it is that, you know, isn't filtering kids out and say, hey, I'm going to sue you because my kid turned into or this. Or they this. grab their dad's yeah. ID and Pornhub's going to be like, dude, you got to talk to your son about that. I'm not the one who Yeah, which we've talked about because your daughter, I think, has been 14 to be on social media <laughs> yeah. since, you know. But I'm just saying, Greg, I think there are better solutions. And yeah. I think Utah is moving to virtue signaling so quick. And every answer to this technological yeah. question that I keep hearing from, frankly, Senator Weiler is kids are being hurt. And it frustrates me because I'm like, I will stipulate, I do not want kids to see porn. But I just, I don't think that heavy-handed legislation... You didn't stipulate that earlier when we were talking at all. That I don't want... I, yeah, I was, was pro-child were, you were. Though. I think you were just taunting I've, I've me earlier. I've had a change of mind. Okay, since we... Because so, you had me losing my mind earlier. You were not <laughs> stipulating that. But I, I think I would like to see a larger exploration. We agree on the problem. But what I see is, and I'm astonished that I see this from conservatives, is this propensity to legislate first and have the conversation So how would a later. liberal do it? How would a conservative, if you're shocked at how we're doing it, how would you do it? Well, I mean, okay, here's what we know of behavioral change. It's about education, oh, and it's, it is. So you want to uh, you want to affect the marketplace, which is honestly, remarkable. But I think one of the things that is a correlation is Utah has always had a high degree of access and consumption of pornography, and it is notable that we never want to talk about sex ever. We have a task force ever. that goes out there and tries to make sure that there aren't adults trying to access or contact children. We have this... We, we don't that's, allow people to have images of children. We don't allow... There's so the much out there. Thing. I'm just saying, if there's a law out there that, that puts a firewall out, even if that's not... If, if there's workarounds, does it does it force the conversation so that we got to find a better way to do it? You you're not going to tell me, let's just teach them you because you're going to just make a good choice not to. Come on, they're you kids. Think they're going to be curious. You think this law is going to stop one child who yeah, wants I do. to access? I absolutely do. You really well, do. Well, Pornhub shut down right now. They can't get on there, can they? They didn't shut down. They left us. They don't need us. Right. They're so, one of the so, most successful so, websites. So there's no kid getting on Pornhub today, is there? I don't know. I know a bunch there, of people win. who are getting win. on Pornhub today. Here's my touchdown sign. Win. I don't think it's true. I win. think this is such an easy get, workaround. It, we can make it better, but I don't think it's so harming right now. So this law has no measurability. 
It has no ability to check its efficacy. And you're saying that it's a healthy, smart law. Well, There's it's, no it's way impacting to prove. adults right now, but the kid, what you know if it's impacting adults is it's impacting kids too in terms oh, yeah, of their access. Oh, yeah, because adults are they don't so know much get... better at technology than kids are. This trope that there's a bunch of five-year-olds out there not addicted five. to it's porn. It's not five, but I have seen statistics true. that like as young as nine years old are looking at this stuff. But you have not seen. So addicted adults in America is less than 10% of 1%, one-tenth of a percent. I am not blowing it off. I'm not pro-porn. I'm not pro-people, kids seeing it. Hey. But I'm just saying the shill that isn't, it's the symptom. We're, we refuse to talk about consent in Utah. We perf- refuse to talk about sexual violence. We refuse to teach what our children about... What does that have to do with about, pornos being around the, kids? It's the same issue of no. if you make something secret, if you make no. something off-bounds, which is I'm, what we've I done. don't think kids that would look at porno- pornography or deviance. I think they're curious, and I think it's a supply and demand issue. If and there's a lot more supply, the demand the is there. Kids are need. curious. They're going to want to see... I'm telling you, kids are curious. If the supply is plentiful, the kids are going to see way more than they would if the supply was lower and it was harder to so see. So we talked to a psychologist I'm not saying today that in the 80s BYU. no one ever saw it. I'm saying it was harder to see and in the 80s. And he said they're seeing more and more statistics I hear, theoretically, that show that wouldn't children are um, looking to pornography more and more, and they're attributing it because they're trying to get sex ed. So let's oh. agree that for a young man, that's the oh. worst source. So it's the that Republicans' sex ed, statute guys. on sex ed that's causing kids to look at pornography. I didn't. I okay. Don't, I am not making it that simple, Greg. But I am saying that I do think this is a symptom of a condition we've created. I think we got to lower the supply. I do think the Pornhub, too, knows what they're doing when they're going after Utah because, as we mentioned, there's other states where they could have done the same, but I think they get more bang for their buck uh, shutting things off for Utah, don't you think? Because well, I also sort think of a- our laws... Len- I mean, Louisiana's pretty easy to take a crack at, too, right? I mean, they're, they're I guess, they're but are they the going to do it when standard. California passes it? That's a lot no, of money. No, they're not going to touch lose. it, right? Yeah. And it's too big of a market share. Plus, though, you have to look at how the laws are written and what the alternatives are to privacy. Because remember, this isn't just about the First Amendment. They're making an argument of a privacy breach as well. And let me ask you this. Isn't this the same thing we're going to go through in a year from now on social all media. social media? Like, all social media will have to be verified through a driver's license or some... And I'm right? the first to say I haven't landed in a place. But what I don't like is that we're using litigation to land. Um, but, you know, maybe. I, I don't want to give my driver's license even for Facebook. I, I think it may have a chilling effect well, on Well, here's the irony. You remember the year before, I think we're in a test run right now. But you remember in the same cycle, we uh, there was a piece of legislation that said, hey, you can make your ID electronic. Remember we yeah. were? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like and a wa- electronic wallet or something. Yeah. It was shut down by and large. There were some takers on it. Yeah. I, if I remember right, we all decided we would do a test year where I think if we choose right now. There is a test going we on. We could do it. But by and large, it was panned. I think, do you know what? The reason why it was panned is if you think about it, it came out in the middle of the pandemic where people were talking about health Heavy passports handed, yeah. and having your vaccine requirements and all this That's online. True. And people all of a sudden were like, you want to put what online and why? So I think if the timing were different, then maybe there would be more acceptance of that because I don't always like carrying my driver's license around, but I also don't want to have a social wallet where people we know everything about me. We just passed a piece of legislation that said, hey, if your kid wants to go on social media, you have to upload their birth certificate. And we were like, sounds great. I think I, I yeah. just don't get, and so I haven't I, landed yet, but I'm struggling with so how we logically work and, I, and I'll tell you just from experience where public policy 
there's times for everything. I remember in 2007, I had a someone that came to me and said, why don't you have these passes uh, that will give you a fast pass into a lane? Uh, it's like a turnpike, but you don't have to stop or anything, and you put this device on your car, and then it tracks, and it knows when you're in this lane, it automatically charges you. And I said, well, that sounds big, brother. I'll never do that. Yeah. And then... Come, you know, a few years later, your phone phone has everything in the world about you. It it tells you where you need to be, even when it's not on your calendar. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, that fast pass on my windshield is not such a big deal anyway. And so it it changes as technology and everything changes around you. And are things better or are we frogs in boiling pots kind of, right? Probably frogs in boiling pots. I I remember that in Florida, too. It was the sun pass on your car. And I was like, I don't really want them tracking everywhere I went. And at the time, I was just like... I'll have the quarters or dollars with me to go. And then at some point it gets annoying. And when I lived in Florida, social media wasn't really a thing on your phones. It was kind of right when I was yep. leaving. The, it was. And now every time I'm there, I'm like, charge it to the car. Cause yeah. I, yeah. Just, right. I don't care. Yeah. Right. No, but, um, I think we'd be disturbed if we knew the extent that these things, our phones spy on us or, or collect data, data mine. It's probably way more than we ever dreamt. But that said, what are you going to do? Throw away your phone? I can't. I can't throw this phone away. I know. I'm I was complaining the other day that my hip hurt and I needed to stretch it out. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's some hip exercises on Instagram. I'm like, oh, how did you know I'm old and I need this? So um, I do want to let anyone listening that wants to know, because it sounds like we're all trying to figure out how to make social media work with people signing up. Right now, the Utah Division of Consumer Protection is actually asking for your input. They're trying to figure out how these social media regulations can work. So you have time that you can go online. You can tell them how you feel about age verification, how you think it should be done. Because, again, I think this is one of those things where we're kind of at the tip. We know we have to figure this out and what the right way for it is. We don't know. So you have until sometime, I think till the end of the year, the changes go into effect 2024. So you can decide what part of your arm or your leg or your driver's license you'd like to give over to the state. Uh, I want to get to another quick and relaxing issue before we move on to a few others, but a Utah judge this week uh, here in Utah ruled statewide abortion trigger law is on hold until a court hears the case. It basically means the status quo continues to be the status quo. You can continue having abortion services as has happened in the past, but it does mean that the trigger law, Greg, uh, that the Utah legislature had ready to go in case... The case was overturned nationally, which it was, in case you've been hiding under a rock, would go into effect. But right now, there's a hold on that, and it's business as usual in the state of Utah. Well, as you heard from the last segment, I am not afraid to disagree with my good friend okay. Mara at any point. However, there are a couple issues where she gets violent, and it's it's not a safe space for me. And this certainly, when we talk about uh, abortion, is Don't one of them. So I'm just gonna I'm just prefacing this. Space, I'm gonna throw out to my you. take, and I'm not gonna argue with you. This I'm just gonna throw no it out, and then here. you can just pummel me. After I'm done saying it, but this is it. And then we're going to move on because this one is a, this is a stick to beat myself Start with, with I'm a willing participant. So I'm, I'm tired of judicial activism. I think this is, again, a stretch. The, the, the Dodd case in Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, legislature has the right to do this. They can do this. I think that abortions, it's a false premise to imagine that if those clinics close, you won't see those happen in hospitals. They should happen in hospitals. And, in fact, we're – they get scary or there's any kind of unexpected uh, circumstance in a clinic, they go to the hospital. So let's have the hospitals expand and be able to do what the clinics were doing. That would be in line with the law and the law to be followed. And I'm tired of the judges that keep putting these, these restrict or these holes on here just to buy time or whatever they're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, the legislature has the right to do it. Is there, is it constitutional in our state constitution? Well, if it's constitutional in our U S constitution, there's nothing they're going to find 
the state Supreme Court and our state constitution that's going to say that the legislature doesn't have a right to do what they did. So I don't like the judicial activism, and I think hospitals are going to be a great place for this to happen, and they can and will, and it'll be safe, and it'll be good. I'm out. One interesting thing I've heard before we let Mara respond, and I cannot remember who I was speaking to, but it was someone who worked for one of the hospital systems. It was either uh, the University of Utah or Intermountain, and so I can't even tell you which one it was, but they said that they believe the decision coming down from their hospital system is once this went into place, that at their hospital, they wouldn't provide these services. I don't know that hospitals want to become the new abortion clinic either. So I think much like the social media problem, we've got a problem too of once we have a law, how do you make the law work? Because if you're making changes, who's going to step up and who's going to step down? So I think um, Greg's passionate speech well taken. (laughs) I think what's important to remember is that what the judge ruled on was not the merit yet. It was putting a hold on it until there are two parts to the issue. One is the trigger law and one's the what we'll say is the hospital notion. And all that he asked is that he was going to put, a, we were going to keep status quo, which isn't activism. It's actually a very old standard procedure. That We were going to keep status quo until a judge could rule on it in a measured way. So he didn't, you know, make a statement pro or con. He just said, I keep status quo. That's really common for courts to say, until I have a chance to really review and hear both sides and fully understand the lawsuit, I'm not going to weigh in on a law that I haven't yet ruled upon. So, I mean, lots of good words about freedom and constitution in America. But what he did is say, hey, I want to hear I, on the merit You are not baiting me into a retort. I will not I, even retort. I will not so say another one, word. I just want to point out that like, that's what happened. But you know week, I want is, to. Is I won't. that the, the judge said, hey, I want to hear, I yeah. want to hear the case. So now we wait for the But I will to play say out. on the merit, which we'll discuss more later, 1% of abortions in Utah are currently had in hospitals. That 99%. And remember when I used the term abortion... I'm talking about miscarriages, DNCs, stillbirths, wanted children who don't go through the full term of pregnancy. All of that is legally an abortion. And most of those procedures, often miscarriages particularly, happen in doctor's offices and clinics. They're wanted pregnancies. Under medical terminology, they're abortions. And that's why so many of them don't happen in the hospital. And you can see why... That's perhaps on a women's health issue. Not that we would ever let women's health become the primary topic in the discussion. But on the women's health issue, I think that's where hospitals who are, who are not trying to have the political abortion discussion. They're not trying to have yeah. it. They're trying to say, what kind of care do we give? When do we give it um, from a medical perspective? And interestingly think, enough, too, I, I don't even think hospital is – I think hospitals kind of used it's in defined, quotes yeah. because You're technically right. it's not hospitals, but you have to have a certain amount of care and level yeah, that exactly. technically fits the bill of what we think And they of define as a clinic and hospital, yeah. so that's worth looking into. But I will say under the current definition, 99% of that healthcare for women doesn't currently happen in the facility that the state has decided it should happen. And so the thing is that Greg is 100% right about is <laughs> the Republican-dominated legislature will set the tone and the law for how we do abortion here. And it will be heavily restricted, and it will be heavily in the favor 
um, not of women's rights. And that's the reality All of it. All I said is it's a false premise to say that 99% don't happen in hospitals, so they could never happen in hospitals Greg, going I'm forward. Greg, I'm telling you that they, you are I, right. I, I believe a that they can A conservative Republican point of view will win the day in Utah on abortion, and it's always been true that. So that is so undisputed. So then why is the judge holding it up? One thing we There's should not marry. You know yet. more. There's than not that, that judge. Yet. It'll come. And happen. one thing I do think is interesting is I do hear the argument oftentimes from Democrats or from Planned Parenthood that you'll be taking away essential services from women and shutting down Planned Parenthood. This would not shut down Planned Parenthood if it were to go through. Planned Parenthood could still do mammograms, they could do your pap smear, the they could do all the services, they could hand out condoms and birth control. None of that would end. And so I think that's a bit of a scare, you know, tactic too that's going on. So we will wait and see what the judge uh, decides, and I'm sure we'll discuss this more in the future. <laughs> uh, Salt Lake City uh, budget revealed this week. Also, Salt Lake City police giving out their update they give every so often, uh, saying that crime is dropping in the city, that the response times are getting better. They're still not to the point we'd like them to be at. Did anything stand out to either of you coming out for the Salt Lake City budget, or was it business as usual in the city? Well, I, I'll just tell you quickly – when crime statistics drop, it does not mean that crime is going down. It means they're not filing it. They're not, they're not pursuing it. That's what that means. I mean, the ones that you can't get around are homicides and auto thefts. Why? Homicides for obvious reasons. Auto thefts because you need your insurance to pay for what was stolen. If you look at those two, I guarantee you they're not going down at all. So those, you'll find, are as high or higher than they were before. Everything else, amazingly going down, but not because... Those crimes aren't occurring, which I and so I find when see people say the stats are going down. I've heard it before; they've done it before. It's not that crimes going down; it's that arrests are going down. Charging uh, those that commit these crimes are going down, or how they categorize the crimes, or how they categorize it. Yeah, so, so it's a bit of smoke. Fuzzy math. It is. It is. You wouldn't have the bees fleeing uh, Pioneer uh, or the uh, ballpark neighborhood. If, ever, if, if everything was as they described Is this that. an issue you two agree on? Yeah, so the budget, I mean, <laughs> there's not much, but it's a little meh. You know, yeah. it's a little, it's not quite enough to solve problems. It's, I mean, they're really celebrating the $10 million in affordable housing, which will get them, what, two stories? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get you yeah. anything. So I would love Salt Lake City to think bigger, and I would love Salt Lake City to be a leader on things, and they tend to be a parator on things. A little like reactionary, Yeah, maybe. I mean, and just sort of, like, celebrating some superficiality. It's not, they're really not going bold on particularly anything. They're funding things I care about, but I don't know that they're funding it to the level where I think that they can make real progress, which is what my criticism is of law enforcement and air quality and building standards. You know, I mean, Salt Lake doesn't even lead the state in environmental quality. And like, I think I want to say, dare I say, there's a Utah County city that's doing better. So we talk a talk here, but if you look at the budget, it says to me, we're not walking the walk a bunch. I mean, they say all the right things. Uh, they do all the right things. This, I think it was yesterday, the police department, or I should say the mayor, because she speaks for the police department. She came out. Which I think is weird. I think it's super weird. And she was like, yeah, we're doing some creative thinking. And then she goes on to essentially report that they're copying Dallas. And I'm like, oh, it's so darn creative to copy. Well, and they're copying something called Cops on Dots, which was invented in the 80s. So I'm like, okay, you're using creative 
very loosely. Did you see where Mayor Mendenhall called on the state of Utah to get more active in the homeless effort? Well, <laughs> she doesn't even call it a city problem. She calls it a state. She problem. calls it a state problem. And with frankly, I want a mayor who wants to address the city problem that I but have. The, but the irony with that is that when I was in the state legislature, yes, we, you got, not, we got you were not opened with welcome we were, arms. No, we were we were <laughs> chastised for for trying to to look at it with state eyes and. Uh, there was a lot of resistance to that. Yeah, so I mean, the budget's so, fine. It was kind of fine, but I wanted to see how something. How times change. I wanted to see something exciting. Yeah, I looked at it, and I was like, meh, and then I moved yeah, on. I was yeah. like, so I didn't see any fireworks, but I didn't know if maybe I missed something. So there we have it. Uh, before we move on, do you agree with Greg that they're maybe moving some numbers around to make crime look like it's going down, or do you oh, think they really are making an effort making it go oh down? Oh, my gosh. We've killed people in Salt Lake City. We have... Sh- we are so window dressing right now with law enforcement. Any other progressive city in the United States would have completely changed. Salt Lake City went from being the gold standard to not even being able to keep their officers because they're being attracted by other cities. I mean, we're followers in this area. At least we still have a Nordstrom, unlike San Francisco. They're losing Walmart really? to Nordstrom right now. Everyone's shutting down because crime is so bad. There, people they're, don't want to go in the They're areas? hemorrhaging money is the problem. I think the store's... Can't well, there's wow, a $900 limit. You can take up there. to 900 bucks, and it's not you're not going to get charged. So why that's do, a, why that's do you a know great. That? Let's deep dive into why you know that. Because mm. I covered this when I was guest hosting on another program. That, that that's <laughs> one of their magical things they so have. You that's why tried it. Nordstrom's, well, $1,000 is a felony. Nordstrom's is closed. Oh, okay. Saks is closed. Um, Whole Foods, they're all just clearing out because they're, anything you steal up to 900 bucks, no one's chasing you and nobody's uh, prosecuting wow. you. So. The Utah store Cotopaxi closed out of, not San Francisco, I want to say it was out of Seattle or Portland at some point too because their window kept getting bashed out and then everything Mm -hmm. would be stolen and then they'd make the window go back, they'd get new product and it'd be bashed out and so they closed. I think they may have reopened, but I think it's a problem that we're seeing in a lot of bigger cities that I hope does not become a problem here in Utah. There should be a math issue to that. I mean, cities do get, I would imagine, sales tax, a portion of sales tax. You want to see retail sales happen in your cities. That's why I think it's there. Um, so you're really hurting your own budgets. You're hurting your own ability to provide city services if you don't have commerce occurring uh, on your streetscapes. And so I would think it would be in the city's inherent best interest to make sure that there was uh, is, law and order, yeah. because when you shut down stores, especially stores like you, like Nordstrom's or some of that you've described, I got to imagine that that just on the math of it, again, the sales tax alone, uh, the portion a city would receive should be incentive enough to make sure it's operable and it, it's safe. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I really don't. All right, we got to talk about um, some good news here. Uh, The governor touting this week the new numbers coming out from the annual report, the U.S. News and World Report, where Utah ranks overall as number one state. So go us, which is good news. news Uh, We have a few things to work on. I'm going to say that we're number one best overall, number 15 for crime and corrections. Education, we're actually number five, so go us. Uh, we're number 46, though, for natural and environment. So we apparently have some work to do in that area. Um, infrastructure, number four. So we're actually a lot better than the rest of the country. Opportunity, we're kind of middle of the road, number 20. Economy and fiscal stability are what keep us as number one. Greg, do you agree? Are we number one? I, I do have to say that I think Utah's prospects um, are are brighter than so many other states. Other states have uh, shrinking populations. I, I, even if there's challenges inherent with a growing state, that's a future workforce you see that's emerging. Uh, young people were still a younger state comparatively with other states. These are all great challenges to have versus a shrinking and aging population like in Pennsylvania and other places. 
So the one stat they don't mention in there that I'm most proud of, and I hope that we're still at the top of, is upward mobility. Meaning however you came into this world, if you live in Utah, your chances of moving up and being able to make more in household income than your parents or grandparents, it's brighter and more positive in this state uh, than other places. And I can tell you, I've, I've lived that life journey here, moving here as, as a kid and my life. And so that is what, that's what I'm most proud about with this state of Utah is that it does have, there's an entrepreneurial spirit. There's an ability to, to if you want to work hard, to, uh, to do great things. And I think that right there is, uh, you don't find that in every state. So everything else, I mean, I love the lower tax burden. I think that contributes to the, a, a strong ability to, to start your own business or even be in a successful business. And so there's a lot of, you know, variables there, but upward mobility, I think is the greatest sign that our state's on the right track. So it makes, it really rings true to me that we're number one, particularly when what put us over the top is financial stability and the economy. I mean, we've really, and infrastructure, I relate to that. We've really thrived in those areas. I was a little surprised education was as high. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I I don't know what the variables are. I haven't looked at that. I will say um, our 46, when it says natural environment, where we get dinged is air quality. And they looked at whatever it is, 150 days a year that we have bad air quality and water. And those were the two things they dinged us on. If you're wondering why we dropped so low, it wasn't when you think of um, natural environment, they weren't talking about political issues like land or anything. They were talking about air quality. Yeah, that's a good distinction. And look, inversion was going on forever. I mean, just valleys and and just the way. Yeah. And we need to work on it. Everybody knows it's a problem. We need to work on it. But if you're wondering why we got so low. We didn't really have inversion problems because of all the storms. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it feels right. We knocked off Washington, if you're wondering who held Washington State, held yeah. the top spot for the last two years. And we, really? we Yeah, we crushed them. Is Seattle still in Washington State? Louisiana is number 50, just in case anybody wants <laughs> to know And Idaho that. was number three on the list. Yeah, yeah. I, and Florida's number five, yeah. which kind of surprised me. That's a, that's a nation state of itself, so good for Florida for coming in at five yeah. in such a big, diverse, giant state. I know why, too. Mm. It's their governor. He single-handedly? Mm-hmm. All on his own. Wow, for those listeners who can't see, <laughs> Greg just teared up when he yeah. talked about this. I put my hand on my heart, too. <laughs> um, I did mention that we were number 15 for crimes and corrections, and interestingly enough, this week, uh, we've been talking a lot about crimes and corrections at KUTV, and especially about adult probation and parole, and a lot of people slipping through the system, ending up recommitting very violent crimes. And no one, I think, can go back and say that hindsight isn't twenty twenty. but there's obviously some problems in that institution. And this week, the Utah Department of Corrections announced the retirement of the executive director, uh, Brian Nilsson. And this comes as a lawsuit was filed, which could become a class action, it looks like, where there's quite a few families that have had violent offenders who went through APMP, maybe weren't cared or watched mm-hmm. after as they were supposed to, they believe, that are now suing the state, and that kind of happens all at the same time. So whether that was by choice or not, we do not know. So, yeah, we'll stay tuned to that. I will say, in defense of uh, Brian Nielsen, I think he was a great cabinet member. I thought he was a great leader. He was a sheriff in San Pete County. He came with some experience that typical uh, corrections cabinet members uh, don't have in terms of jails and working with sheriffs. Uh, I think he inherited much of this. I think there's been a uh, a, a sentiment in our parole board, and uh, and they needed a lot of updating before he ever showed up in that department. They were they weren't digitized. They were they had push carts with their Which records is on it. So there were that there is a lot of longstanding issues. I think with especially with APMP, 
that that he he walked into and, and did his level best. So I, I hope he's just not a sacrificial lamb because you can't really lay all this at his feet. I think he's done a, a great job in the time he had. But but there are problems. There are systemic problems with that uh, department, and that they they predate his arrival, in my opinion. Are they issues you've worked on? Because I know that you do lobby for the law enforcement. Um, so for sheriffs, yeah. Um, so that's where I I've come to appreciate. Uh, Brian Nelson, because of the way he's able to work with the counties and their jails and the Department of Corrections, and that has worked better than it's ever worked in the state. Uh, but as a lawmaker, we—I was on the audit committee when we looked at uh, APMP, mm-hmm. and that's that was that predates. So when I was there, it was before, you know, the Cox administration came in. So, and there were just glaring problems with how they were administering things, and so it's there's just been some challenges and. It breaks your heart when you see these stories where people, if you look at the rap sheet, you can't even imagine that they'd be let out or that their supervision wouldn't be closer than it is. But with the caseloads that they all have, with the propensity to to let them out, to give a second chance, maybe too often, I would argue too often, um, you're you're seeing some very dangerous individuals that are being let out and their supervision is not very close. And that's not new. That's been going. And I think it's going to grow until there's kind of a sea shift in uh, – in attitude and in pro- approach to it. Yeah, it's difficult because we want to give people second chances, but sometimes third, fourth, yeah, fifth, go sixth read chances. that. Go read some of those things. You might not. I mean, that's the thing that it's shock. I think the every, everyday person, if they read some of the things that someone is in, incarcerated for, the public safety uh, part should still apply. And yeah. They shouldn't be let out. Well, the debt limit uh, question on the national side of the issues right now is still ongoing, and we're obviously not going to solve that right now, but House Democrats have taken an interesting step this week, forcing a vote on the debt ceiling hike. Republicans are really trying to push hard and negotiate while they have maybe a little bit of an ability to negotiate and try to cut back on some of the spending. Mara, uh, who has the upper hand here? You know, uh, probably Biden has the politics of it. It, This is... (laughs) This is a loser for America. It's back to no, you suck, no, I suck, you know. This is where they are equally culpable depending on where they are at the moment. One, um, there's no political leverage here, but it is unacceptable that we have this conversation when our bills are due and we don't have this conversation when we're passing a budget. I think the, the time That's for the this. problem. But it requires grownups to be in the room. Now you have leverage because we're we're saddling on up to – the cliff. Janet Yellen's telling us that the cliff is 22 days away. June 1st. And yeah. um, and I, I join most people in being just exhaustedly frustrated with the theater on this. And it almost is like predictably you could switch roles. So, so you know, Biden insists on something written. The House does actually come back with a written yes. proposal. No one thought they would. Either. Yeah, exactly. And they enumerated it. Now, I will say it, it was Biden's favorite things. They're like, let's cut all your favorite things. So you can question that. But I mean, it was a fair play. It was written. And I mean, there's some good, the the fact that they want to balance the budget. There's some legit things in there. Schumer says today, no, it's DOA. So, I mean, we're setting up. Which is political theater on both sides. And they're setting up next week's meeting to not have a resolution. So the question is, can we get on board with the theater to resolve it then later on in the week? The the sad part's this. Um, they, I believe that the Democrats truly believed, even some Republicans uh, did not believe, and that's why there was an excuse. Why did some Republicans vote for the lame duck December budget uh, with Pelosi and everyone? And a lot of the cuts that are in this bud in this agreement is are from that December budget. But it was said by some Republicans uh, and senators. 
they had no confidence that the House actually could come to any kind of agreement. Right. And in that chaos, they went with a, a, a House even run by Pelosi where they thought an agreement could be had. Well, the House did come up with one, and no one on the Democrat side was actually planning or thought that was, would happen. So it's put everybody in this awkward position where there is a, there is a, a plan to at least negotiate on, and you have uh, President Biden saying, I will not negotiate on any of it. I want a clean debt ceiling raise. Well, if you took the president and made it Reagan instead of Biden, and you took the Speaker McCarthy and made him Tip O'Neill, these two would get together and they would do what they did in the past. They would hash out an agreement because we, history tells us that a president and a Speaker of the House can do this. It's happened before. It is pageantry and it is pathetic that we can't have that kind of dealing you know, and, and negotiations going on right now. And so I, I just, I get tired of it. But right now, I think the ball's in the Democrats' court. The, the Republicans delivered something with a four-member majority, which is a, an incredibly hard thing to do. 1% growth a year uh, for domestic spending. Uh, they did cut back a lot of what was put in in, in, in uh, December. And it even hit some of the Republican members on some of the subsidies for uh, ethanol and things like yeah, that. There's a lot of climate stuff. There's, there's some, there's some things stuff. in there that, some... that, it, that it's not just all aimed at, at Biden. There's some members of Congress that, that are going to accept cuts to things that were put in in December that will hit even in their own district. But if we're not going to – when are we going to stop – there is no debt ceiling. If it's every time you hit point. it, you keep raising it. If you just automatically raise it without any consideration as to why we keep growing it, you don't really have a ceiling. So at some point, you got to pay the piper. We've got to have that conversation at some point. Uh, one thing where we see political theater as well is on the U.S.-Mexico border. And interestingly enough, we have another deadline coming up, and President Biden has decided and Homeland Security has decided that they will agree with the president on sending 1,500 new troops that are active duty right now to the southern border. They won't be acting as law enforcement. They'll be helping with paperwork. But this is coming um, as I think it's Title 42 is set to expire, which was something that came from the COVID pandemic. Is this going to help either one of you to have an extra 1,500 people down there? We obviously know more people are coming. President Biden all of a sudden is saying, no, stay where you're at. Is this just too little too late for a problem that continues? Yeah. I mean, really too little. Yes, too late. And the Biden administration has not shown themselves to be responsive to this issue, which I yes. think it is completely inappropriate. Now, I will say when people start complaining too much about the executive branch not taking this on, I really want to take a good look at Congress and say, yeah, you don't want it to be an executive problem, then step up. I agree so with that. There is so much blame to be had on our border. But the reality is we have, so Title 42, which I'm sure most people know, essentially says you can't turn them away anymore. That was a temporary COVID order yeah. that Trump put in. And actually, interestingly enough, Biden didn't gut very much. Mm -hmm. And so we could turn you down at the border and not allow entries. It goes back to standard form. I'm being a little too simplistic about it. But now, essentially, you're processing. You're still not documented. But you can stay in America while you're processing in, while you're undocumented, yes. so to speak. But here's what we're not addressing is the scale of this. Now, I would be one who says immigrants um, contribute to our economy in essential ways. They have lower crime rates. I don't vilify immigrants at all. I love immigrants. And I think what we have to realize is they come into America and they're serving a very important role. But since we refuse to have... We need a system, though, to make it work. And most of us agree yeah. on most of what should happen. That's and this true. is one of the most politicized issues, and there's no win in the politicking of it. But right now, the volume 
is overwhelming. So I talked to the Yuma, Arizona um, uh, mayor this morning, and he said that back in the day, he's been in office for, I don't know, 15 years. He said, you know, on average, he's like, if there is an average, <laughs> yeah. it would have been like 10 people a day they would have processed. He's expecting 600. And he believes that he's been told there are 600,000 people waiting to enter after this Title 42. And so then you and these put are in small communities that just don't have yeah, the ability now, to. Most of the time, they're yeah. moving through Yuma within a day or two. Because what we know of immigrants is they're. They're probably going to meet families or other support systems. They're not staying in these communities. But just think of the economies on those numbers. And yet we're having these cultural squabbles when, in fact, what we need is to separate, you know, there are some ne'er-do-wells, but by and large, allowing these people to not only contribute to sales tax, but contribute to other means. The other thing that was really interesting that I don't want to lose track of is he said the composition of the immigrants that he, or he is seeing is from 112 different nations. Yeah. So I just want to be clear on how... A lot of people so, are flying or getting themselves to Mexico and, and using that as their way in. These yeah. are Asians and these are Europeans. These are not just and, South and there's, Americans. there's some danger to that as well in terms of who would who would seek to get across there with less scrutiny than you but would America come to America. But America is great because of, of its immigration. Correct. And I the fact that. that we don't want to deal... And, and the fact that people still want to come to America... <laughs> Good for us. Good for us. So let, let me just say, I'm going to speak, because by the way, I, I am. I, Shocked. I am truly, I didn't expect to hear what you just said. I really didn't. But thank you, because I, I'm going to actually say that within the Biden administra administration, there are people that understand how bad this is and have tried to improve it. Susan Rice, the, the rumors about Susan Rice and the, even the FOIA requests that have come back where you can see her handwriting saying this is just flat out untrue. There is, there are problems that she has tried to address on that border. These children, they didn't want the optics of children in cages, as they call it. But what it really is, is back to the Obama administration. If you had unaccompanied children, you had to figure out what are we going to do? These are kids. We can't just once you have them, turn you have them loose. You have to have an adult. Safe. Someone has to take care of these kids. Without the optics of having these children held, adults are coming to, the, uh, to there now to claim these kids. And the people working there, lifetime Democrats, people that are not you know, Republican partisans and trying to attack the administration are seeing adults that are picking up these children who don't know them or they're, 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 uh, they're, they're afraid it's labor. It's, it's child labor. It's, there's, there's re so you're cleaning out the place where they're being held, but the trafficking of children is what the whistleblowers that they're going to Congress now and talking about, that's coming from within the administration and those that are on the ground at, at the border. Here's the other thing. So you have Susan Rice. You have the whistleblower that's on the border right now saying there is a real problem here. She got fired, and, you know, she's navigating through that. But here's a tweet. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is it possible to be pro-immigration and pro-closing the border? Yes. America should be a haven of freedom and prosperity, open to law-abiding migrants who will contribute to our society. That's what you've been saying. However, immigration must proceed in an orderly, lawful manner. Right now, we have chaos at the border. Human trafficking, criminality, intolerable stress on the border states like Texas. It is a humanitarian nightmare. That's from, that's rules, from Robert basically. Kennedy Jr. I'm going to tell you right now, he is doing such a phenomenal job of speaking to everyday You're people right now. You're supporting a Democratic presidential I, candidate. I actually feel like, you know, he gets, he gets a, they erase his posts on online. If the Democrats cancel Robert Kennedy and the Kennedys, 
I mean, it's a bridge too far. Oh, he's going to be the new Bernie Sanders guy. <laughs> I love, no I love a lot of what him. Robert Kennedy Jr. is saying. I am telling you, I, I think he's, he's doing what John F. Kennedy pushed against LBJ, the Senate president, said, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going into West Virginia. I'm going to talk to the people. We're going to do a primary. He bucked the establishment then. Bobby Kennedy Jr. is doing the same right now. But I will say one of the things I would like to see us stop doing is blaming the immigrant and making the immigrant a bad person and a bad type of person because they frankly are the essence of America. If we gave them rules, they could probably follow. Nobody is intentionally I, yeah. not following. Well, there are some. I'm, yeah, well, that's they, what I'm saying. Like, There's some in there that, that are There are not some, but we disproportionately focus on them. But Mara, they're, I, they're the but anomaly. What I, but what I resisted was any example of any quote from a Republican yeah. stayed all within the, the the Democrat Party because I want to say to you, I agree. This is this is area that should be common ground for us to find on that border where it's not chaos, where we can find an orderly and legal way to do it and let people come and migrate legally to this country, documented. But I'm we so absolutely have frustrated to that. that the greatest nation in the world has a technocratic administrative problem that we don't seem to be able to figure out. Because there's I mean, always another election. Administrative. But yeah. honestly, so from my crazy. perspective, Mara, I'm afraid we absolutely could figure out people don't want to. No, but that's I, what, I'm afraid that, they've made the choice not to figure that out. That's essentially my underlying ass- yeah. assertion is this is an administrative problem. Like, yeah. you know, I mean... You can't <laughs> pick out the bad apples social no media system. earlier. Social media is complicated. Yeah. This is not... Give it the resources, Um, you know, and I just, I'm, yeah, I think it's so frustrating. I think this next several months are going to be very taxing and very hard for those border cities. Mm -hmm. Speaking of administrative issues, this is one that I have thought makes absolutely no sense for the longest time. But finally, May 11th, which is a week from today, international travelers can finally come to the United States of America. And when I say international travelers, I'm talking about people who come on an airplane as opposed to across to the border. Uh, they no longer have to have proof of COVID-19 vaccination, which is insane to me that when we need our economies moving and people coming here, that we've waited this long. It didn't match up to anything. And the interesting thing is that uh, a bunch of Utah congressional member Senator Mike Lee, Chris Stewart, Burgess Owens, John Curtis, and Blake Moore sent a letter to the president pushing for that restriction to go away. And right after that happened, who knows if it was going to happen anyways, it went away. But it just seems kind of crazy when we know that the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting sick, prevent you from spreading it to other people, prevent you from getting hospitalized and oftentimes many deaths, that it it's still in place after all these years, which is insane. So here we are. So, and it didn't make any sense. It no. Most, most countries don't require that any longer, I don't think. No. I think they wanted to get back to business. And interestingly enough, I, I don't looked, even think China does. I'm not sure about China. They had some rules where they actually were testing you for COVID. I'm not sure about the vaccine, and their COVID test was up the behind. Yeah. So that's sure. very fun. Ooh, that's a memo yeah. you got to get out. I haven't seen that one. That's, yeah. They okay. may have stopped that. That, that was a might while have ago. a chilling effect yeah. on, imi- on visitors. Yeah, but just so you know, the numbers here in Utah, because I wanted to look up national, and I couldn't find nationally to see, but Utah tracks COVID cases and deaths, um, still depending on vaccine, if you're vaccinated or not. But since September, when the new bivalent vaccine came out, 69% of hospitalizations are people who are in the fully vaxxed category, which is anyone who has the two-shot series, any boosters, and then the bivalent booster as well. And 61% of the deaths here in Utah, again, are people who are vaccinated. So we know at this point that it's not changing the health of our country. We're not protecting anything, but 
We just didn't want. Uh, is it Federer or who was it that hasn't been able to play tennis because he hasn't been vaccinated? Yeah, Roger. I think it was Roger Federer. Yeah. So anyhow. Or what, no, no, Djokovic. No, Djokovic. 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 Yeah, Djokovic. Yeah, so anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not nice. So he's ready to play some tennis again. So, but you know what? Um, I don't know why we test for it anymore. Anything that I mean, we get flus, we get all kinds of stuff. Do. I, I, I don't even understand the testing at this point. And and for me, I'm of the opinion that this whole planet got this this virus, and it's the only reason why we we have any resistance to it or immunity to it is because it is so pervasive. And that's really what Mother Nature intended with our bodies and our antibodies and all that stuff. So. If someone, I meet someone and say, I never got it. You did. You were just asymptomatic. Everybody's gotten this thing. Everyone. I, I, no one escaped planet Earth without getting this. I will say, though, not leaving out the fact that I think this is day late and a dollar short, mostly because my first reaction to it was like, oh, is, is that still going on? I don't think many of us have been impacted by what we were experiencing a couple of years ago in a while. So I know these are still in place. I'm sure but, people but, are still restricting yeah. it. But I think by and large, it's hyperbolic to think that we're still living in No, but what bothers me, do you, you hear this Moderna CEO just got $400 million in stock because they did so well getting this, this, va- this vaccine out there? Um, I just see that there's a there, – I, I'm just disappointed in uh, the profit. The, the way this has been pushed, how it's been pushed, the, the, the reports I've seen where they gave incentives to the healthcare providers, if they had a certain percentage of their patients that got it, they gave them, got the vaccine, they gave them money per patient that got it. You know, it could have been a renaissance in personal wellness, health and wellness, daylight, vitamin D. We could have done a lot of things yeah, to I improve our health, really and it was all pharma, all day. That's all night. super unfair, I, though, nah, to I, look back now on lessons learned and say, so, nah, so I was, I was think, figuring we were that out in, in the real midst time. of an unknown pandemic. I never bought And it. if government had been laissez-faire about it, if they've been like, man, let's just see. Now, I You can always course correct. And I don't think they ever course corrected when they realized that there was new science and new and data. And we panicked. Yeah. And there yeah. was there's a whole lot to learn from. But I, I'm not going to go so far as to not say for people who jumped into the fray and tried to do with what they knew now. Now, what we didn't do is when we started to, which is, this is the motto of government, when we start to get intel, heaven forbid, we adjust course. So we, I think we utterly failed to adjust course. But I will not be among those who criticize the first wave when nothing, no one knew what was going on. So obviously nobody knew. So let let me be more specific. I don't know how many boosters they're still arguing you should have, right. but you were actually up to, I don't know, four or five of these boosters. And if you didn't have those, then you were considered unvaccinated. So forget you got the vaccine, forget you got the first booster or the second. If you didn't have the most recent one, you were back in this category of you unvaccinated. You can't get any shots now except for the bivalent booster. And I think those are only being recommended at this point for people who are older or... I think an interesting turn of events was that Switzerland as a country, they're not requiring those vaccines at all. And now they're holding the healthcare provider liable if they do require it or or have a patient uh, have the vaccine if there's any kind of detrimental impact and it's it's on the provider for, for giving the european it to model of healthcare i will go i'm with just you saying that, switzerland's right? pretty neutral right they're not very political Mara said she's you. ready to so have if they're, socialized if they're saying no thank you fine with the european switzerland's model. saying no thank you i don't know that you can it's not you can't really point to a partisan bent there it's just like they're like yeah this is we're european not doing this structure small european countries i don't think exact equivalents to us until they are 
until you make them. Until they Their are. croissants are yeah. better, too. <laughs> Their lifestyle, everything but... about them was better. They walk places, <laughs> ride bikes places. Well, it's so fun to have um, people who sometimes disagree with each other <laughs> back in the but room together. We get along together. famously. I mean, it was fine. We're, there's, no, there's no problem here. You guys will be fine. Yes. Okay. As long as there's two topics I stay away from, like a spent fuel rod. Other than those two, we're good. Yeah, although check the tape and see how well Greg did staying away from them. I, d- I stayed. I just gave my, my original statement and I left it. All right. Look how we're all growing and changing <laughs> as we spend time together. Renaissance Greg. Thank you for spending time with us today. Have a great rest of your week. 